Tom, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday night, December the 13th. You're hearing this podcast a couple of days later because uh, my my featured guest of the evening uh, has uh, otherwise uh, – um, he's otherwise occupied tomorrow night. Got a game he has to coach in. So we figured we'd give him a, give him a little heads up. Give him a, an extra day to prepare for that and not have to worry about rushing back or any of that nonsense tomorrow night. You know him as Grafton19. His name is Hester. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. How's it going? Glad to have you back, brother. We're obviously we're going to talk UVA football. No. Um, <laughs> so we, we I wanted to do something a little bit different uh, this week with the podcast. Obviously, with exam break, we don't have a, you know, a game to really talk about. Um, you know, there are plenty of things to talk about ba- uh, basketball related, so... Had Tony on the show. Again, really appreciate him giving me some time. Um, what was for me last night, which was for everybody listening to this a couple days ago. Um, but I also wanted to get you on the show to talk about, to get a, you know, kind of a different perspective. Get a, you know, you got a coach's mind. You got, obviously, you look at things a little bit maybe differently than, than some other fans. I guess let's start here. Given what Virginia has has had to deal with, let's say, this season, how do you feel like you you you've how do you feel like they've grown? Um, how that they, they've developed, how they have kind of settled in over these first what nine games of the season. What, what do you feel like? Uh, do you, where do you feel like the team is right now? To be honest, I'm like many on the board. I've kind of had to lower my expectations, and not because they're not playing well, but you know because of the dismissal of Austin. You know this team kind of had to recoup recoup very quickly. And there's been moments where we played like a really good team, but I just feel like the team that's going to be in March isn't quite there right now. So I kind of feel like this is Tony's team from the year. Maybe not as bad as getting blown out by Tennessee, but it kind of has that feel to it. You know, we're games that we should be blowing out. We're not really blowing teams out early. And then we eventually blow them out, but then we don't play well, but then we have many guys who step up. So it's just kind of a weird, you know, last year we had a pretty good handle on how this team was, I think the last two seasons, but this year you just don't know. So it's kind of, it's a little tense for me. I've had to lower my expectations a lot because I'm like, I don't know where this team's going to be in a couple of weeks. So I'm kind of glad they're on break right now because between that Ohio State, West Virginia game and the football season, Kind of was a little stressful on the board, so I'm kind of glad I'm busy. <laughs> you think away from a little bit? You think it was stressful? Listen, <laughs> I, I I guess I hear where you're coming from on the expectations piece. Here's my thing, though. I, look, the the difference to me isn't the talent level or even the ceiling. It's it's the it's the knowables, right? It's the this team last year. You knew what you were going to get from Malcolm. You knew pretty much what you were going to get offensively from Ag. You knew that there were other pieces that would step up. Whereas this year, it's almost like because they don't have – I mean, London is is the leader. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is his team bar none. But he's not Malcolm in terms of what he means on the floor. Malcolm could go out and do individual things, uh, whether it was offensively or defensively, um, that's really hard to replicate. I think – I don't want to say – I don't want to say the Nichols thing is a um, – I, I tell you what. I tell you what. I, I'll, I'll say it like this: the Nichols thing is a Rorschach test because, to me, it honestly, it didn't matter to me until you saw some actual, some actual bona fides, right? Because 
talking to different folks in the preseason, and then certainly at once he was dismissed from the team, you got a real sense of it. He was not even close in the rotation, and it's like a, a Schrodinger's cat situation, right? All things can be equal at the same – it can be as likely at the same time. So there are those of you who believe that that this team was going to be top – you know, you know a, a Final Four type of team, national championship type of team, because you were going to get the most out of Austin, and he was going to give you X, Y, and Z. I just never looked at it like that. I thought – that he had a lot of potential, but that he was going to have to learn how to do things in the pack line and basically to, to craft his skill set around what the pack line is asking him to do. He can't freelance. He's not going to get a lot of, you know, he wasn't going to be able to, um, to be the player at, that he was at Memphis at UVA. He was gonna, his, his offensive touches would not be as featured. His defensive stuff would have to come in the flow of the defense, and there would be times when he would be asked to cover a lot more space than he was asked to cover at Memphis. And to me, he had potential, and certainly that made an impact on the team, but I always thought that this team would rise or fall based on the guys who had worn that jersey before. And so to me, I, I look at it and think, you know, they're still there. Um, it's about consistency as much as I think it too is that the one thing that is new about this team is that they have younger pieces that we're just not accustomed to, to Virginia needing to lean on most seasons, right? If you think about it, when's the last time they had more than one freshman that you actually thought was going to play, let alone that you knew was going to play a meaningful role, but now they've got three of them. Ty Jerome is basically your in-case point guard. Kyle Guy is going to get 20 minutes or so off the bench. Monty Diakite, because of Nichols' dismissal, has to kind of – He's going to get the, the lion's share, I think, of those minutes. Um, ultimately, I think Tony Bennett would probably like it if Salt and Reuter got more of those minutes too because that means good things for them, right? That means that they're, they're able to stay on the floor, uh, and that gives them a good offensive back-to-the-basket guy. But I guess I just never thought of this team, and, I mean, you're talking about lowering expectations, and I just – I don't know, man. I can't get myself there. I just never thought of them and thought, man, you know, Nichols is going to be this and that. I thought they had – a lot of potential, but also I'd have to go the other way, right? So like, oh, well, you know, if, if Kyle comes in and he's able to play defense, maybe he starts. And if he starts, that means, you know, they're able to get, you know, 15 points a game from him. I mean, you could play that argument with several guys um, other than just Austin. And I certainly think that taking him out of the equation when they did, while it may have disrupted, may have disrupted things in the, in the short term, you you can't ask the kids to be who Virginia asked them to be and have that type of situation that everybody is fully aware is going on. There's no way that those other kids didn't know he was screwing up, you know, and, and it had to have impacted them in some way, shape or form. So I guess I'm I'm of the mindset that when I watched him play, a lot of the same warts would still be there if he was still in the jersey, if he was still on the bench or still, you know, uh, wearing the jersey. The difference would be is that they would have you know, an inside threat that they could go to, at least offensively. But my question was always going to be, can he play enough defense to stay on the floor? Because otherwise, he's just Mike Toby Jr. Well, and I think you said it best a few minutes ago. It's the unknown. You know, the last couple of seasons, you knew. You knew what we were going to get from this guy, this guy, and this guy. The good thing about this team, it could be a different guy on a different night. But that also means, I mean, look at Tony's rotations in the yeah. West Virginia game. There's some guys on the board well, why wasn't Guy in at this point? Well, defensively, I could see why in that West Virginia game. I watched it four times. He would have got manhandled by their guards. Right. So yep. he had to take him off of the court. There's been situations where Ty's been in late in games. He's not going to give you offense, but he's also not going to turn the ball over. But he's still going to be a defensive liability. 
poor Devin Hall. I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I'm critical of him sometimes, but I mean, some guys on the board. He is like they, he like, is the dude he is the dude that everybody thinks like he's the guy that everybody expects to be way better than he is but the, mm-hmm. but in so doing they never notice how good he actually is you know what I mean like yeah. when I go back and do these rewatches it it always blows my mind like he's he's in the right place I mean he's he's there on the catch and therefore they don't get the shot they want and ultimately they they have to rush something at the end of a shot clock like that's who he is but his it's like a turnover here or there I I, I would I'd have these games where he he. He'd have one turnover, and people on the board say he's turned the ball over too much. Like, wait, well, what? If people don't, and what people don't realize, he's not Malcolm Brogdon type of defender, but he's still our best defender. Yeah, I mean, if you look exactly. at games, I mean, I talked to some Ohio State people, and they said the fact that Devin Hall was playing steady defense is why Lyle and those guards couldn't get off because right. he was always in the right spot. He was bodying those guys up. He does. I mean, Darius Thompson should be doing those type of things, but that's not not his type of game. And right, I think right. That, you don't notice the small thing Hall does because he may have a turnover here. He may take a quick shot here, but he's our best defender on the perimeter this year. Yeah, and I think that now that Darius, Darius, I will say this about Thompson: he has he has definitely seemed much more at home in this defense mm-hmm. than he did last year, and that I think is actually le- going to be a, a big point for him going forward because it's going to lead to more opportunities in transition, and that yes. is something this team absolutely has to have. If there's something I've learned through this first start of the season. It's that this group has to be aggressive. Like they have to go to the rim. They have to push the agenda at times. That they, you know, I, I I think a lot of the problem that you saw against West Virginia because of the press and because of where, because of where they were using the Adrian kid away from the basket. That ultimately, the the blocker mover motion offense, right? It would it would almost move. It would like move the defender closer to the potential trap because. In order to get that to get that action, you got to be running. You got to be running top of the key, just off of the um, off the free throw line. A body was always there to step up into a trap or to or to extend, and it and it almost it almost let West Virginia off the hook. It allowed them to have a big away from the basket without paying a price for it because the bigs who theoretically he should be around were already around him because yeah. they were coming up for for that action. And that's not to say that. Virginia has to change its whole offense. Um, it's a question of how do you get to it. I, I feel like driving the basketball, being aggressive, uh, on the back end of that press, attacking it, I thought they really left a lot out there. And I think that's got to be a lesson for them going forward. As a matter of fact, that's why when I rewatched that West Virginia, I mean, excuse me, East Carolina game, man, when Shayok takes those three threes, I know there are folks in the building, folks at home, they're groaning, that are screaming. <laughs> but he was, there was no hesitation. In those shots, None. they were room and rhythm. They were shots he should take, and he kept taking them. And I gotta say, that's the mentality that this team has to have. Which is, we didn't make it last time. We gotta pull it again because that's the right shot. I think they spend so much time trying to get a great shot that they pass up too many good shots. And ultimately, like maybe down the line and, and further in the year, they'll be better at being able to get that great shot. But for right now, sometimes good is pretty good, and they gotta cool. they gotta pull it when they got it. And you made the point about what West Virginia was doing defensively. I think a lot of teams are going to do that, and that goes back to who's on the roster now. Last year, you would have had to pay attention to Gill and Toby on the backside on the rebound. So if that man for West Virginia is too far away from the basket, we're getting offensive rebounds for days. Now teams don't have to worry about that. And another guy that guys on the board talk about a lot is Salt. I think he's playing well, better than – I thought he would be playing right now, but it's because he's not Gil and he's not Toby. People expect more out of that kid than, you know, what he is. I mean, we always knew 
he was going to be a developmental rugged type of player but because he had to fill this role everyone expects him not some nights to get 8.6 rebounds you probably will get that from Rorter more on some nights than Salt Salt right. is what it is you know he's the best screener on the team I think he's gotten quicker uh, early in the West Virginia game, he was he was doing well, but I think because that press eventually wore us out, Tony had to go to a smaller lineup, and right. he, he even admitted that might not have been the best lineup per se, but that's what he went with. Yeah, I think he and and one thing I will say about that lineup that night, going with Ty in that situation, I I actually will not be surprised from here on out if you don't see Ty playing as much. I think Tony saw what he needed to see in that West Virginia game to know, okay, you know what, he's there if I need him. Because if at the end of the day, Tony is – he's an NBA coach. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I know that there are people on the board who just, uh, you know, grab their pearls. But uh, – because they're like – the idea of the, the NBA just, you know, it mortifies him. But what I mean by that is is that he runs a matchup-oriented mm-hmm. rotation. Yep. He, he will not – he might not play you for two games and then play you for 22 minutes. Like, it's about what he needs that night, and that's what you're expected to do. You're expected to be ready. What I think he saw from Ty in that game was, okay, this kid is actually he's – he's up to the challenge. Like you said, you made a good point. Like, maybe he did give up a little bit defensively. But you know what? You could trust him with the ball. And if, if there's anything that Tony Bennett loves, it's to have a point guard he knows he can trust with the ball. Well, and, I'm not – and you made the point about the NBA, and I watch a lot of it. And I think it was you a couple of years ago. Tony either watched the Spurs or he watched the Warriors. And that, and after you had posted that on the website, it probably was two years ago, I started to see a lot of NBA quick hitters, a lot of NBA matchups out of Tony. And that never dawned on me until you posted that on the board. And I'm like, he does have more of an NBA mindset on offense than a lot of coaches in the ACC. He runs a lot of stuff, maybe not per se out of the blocker mover, but just matchups. Yeah, you know, and that's right. what's been good for us the last couple of years is other teams have to match what Tony puts on the floor. And I think with this team, he hasn't figured that out yet. But right. you, I also agree with that. See, you, you also see moments where, hmm, if this guy could get going in this spot or right. if he can find a good matchup against a team like, say, Kyle Guy probably plays better against a Virginia Tech than he does against a North Carolina because yep. they're mm-hmm. you know, but. He's trying to figure out what matchup works during this game and against this team. And you made that point about two years ago, and I was like, man, that's dead on to what he does as far as matchups. That was a great point and a great catch. I well, can't remember if it was Golden State. It was, yeah, it was Golden State. And the thing, okay. too, is that it, he, I think he really starts to run that almost small ball look mm-hmm. next year once he can put uh, Dre and, and Jay in the game at the same time because they got enough length that maybe they give up some in the body. But, they'll, but by that point – Physically, they'll be in a completely different place, but they'll be able to stretch the stretch things out in a way and be able to get up and down in a way. I'm not saying you're going to watch Virginia turn into the runner rebels here, okay? But what I do think is is that in terms of the offense, uh, having Kyle this season is going to be very good for Tony. Um, but I also think that having those other guys down the pipe, I mean, essentially what you're saying is is next year they're going to add like Justin Anderson 2.0. Um, and then two highly skilled dudes with length. I mean, seriously, Dre might be six nine, man. He's he's like a six nine guard. R- R- Tony's never had anything like it. Nope. Um, and then you add into that that he's also got a seven foot guard. Basically, never had anything like it. Um, and that's so I understand where Dave made the point. I guess last week was it last week? The week before last, he was on the podcast and he said um, 
that they weren't necessarily rebuilding, but it was more like remodeling. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Watch this team, like rewatching that ECU game. You can see Tony's trying to. You know, all right, so maybe they, he wasn't as pressed in that game in terms of rotation and such. But your your point about like he's searching for something. He's yep. he's almost like he's saying, okay, this seems like a good spot for this guy. Let's see what he does. He, okay, okay, now let's see let's see what this looks like. And that's not necessarily. I don't want folks to think that he's tinkering because it's not really tinkering. It's more um, he's got a certain th- like he's got a certain like almost like imaginary play card in his head of like things he has to check on you know like he has to see what this looks like tonight he has to see what this looks like tonight he's going on the matchup he's trying his best to pair uh personnel with situation and so ultimately he has to ride with what he thinks is going to get him through uh and so sometimes that means put more guards on the floor sometimes that's going to mean you know leaning on the bigs a little bit more i think your point about salt's dead on i think that kid has actually really he's made a significant improvement um, to the place where I think you could, you could actually give him some extended minutes. I would love to see what he could do with those extended minutes. Now against the West Virginia, probably gonna be tough because, like, like you said, their bigs were making it such that he didn't really have anybody who could consistently guard, and he just can't cover that much space. Nope. You know, he can't. He's not gonna be able to get to get out to the to the elbow and back uh, as fast as you know a Darion and Raquel. But what he could do is he brings you that physical presence. Like you said, he's the best screener on the team. Um, it, you run into him, you remember it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I would like to see him get some extended burn. Uh, I think Reuter would be well served in a in a look offensively where they were able to throw it into him and he was able to hold and survey. Um, it, the only thing I, I the only the only thing I haven't liked from him this season is that I don't feel like he kicks it out enough. He he's good if he's if he's facing the basket of kind of being the intermediary. So ball comes to him, he can find somebody, he can dip it down, he can go out. But what he's not so good at is catching it inside, surveying the landscape, seeing that, okay, he's got a nice matchup over here, or I need to swing it here so it swings over there. That's the piece, I think, that once it really clicks for him is going to be important. And it certainly would open up things for this offense because when this, when the ball moves with these kids, when the ball moves and it doesn't just stick on one side and they're able to get, they're able to, get the thing around, they get good shots. And I think that's going to be a thing we're going to have to watch when they play the better teams of the ACC they consistently get shots. They're going to have some nights like they had against ECU. They're going to have some nights like they had against Ohio State when they, you know, kind of struggled. And I think ultimately the 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 the, the truth will be somewhere in the middle. And that's that's basically every team, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think going back to the expectation part, it's the ACC is going to be a grind. And I know it's been the last couple of years, but I mean, if Florida State gets its head together. Virginia Tech's not looking bad right now. I mean, it's it. Other than maybe BC, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, it's not a night off. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and I think that's why people are freaking out just a little bit because it's like, oh man, our stretch after we play Cal is pretty tough <laughs> to start the ACC. It really is. It really <laughs> is. And and it's and it and there isn't a whole lot of. Uh... <laughs> There's not a whole lot of time. I mean, listen, they get the exam break. They come back for Robert Morris. They get a few days. They get to go out to Cal. Um, I guess London will have his uh, – it's funny because a lot of teams do this, right, where they schedule this random game in this random place for so this place this kid has his homecoming. Um, I don't think that was the case here, but it kind of works out that way. But you're right. Then they come back home, and boom, you got – uh, you got to go You got to go to Louisville, and then you got to come home for Florida State, who, you know, that's a I, – I will never understand – completely random i will never understand how bunny's teams are not consistently better it's like he has a ridiculous talent that he manages to get down there and they never seem to consistently like 
they have these high water marks and then like they disappear for stretches. It's the it's the weirdest thing. I mean, that team Jonathan Isaac is a is a beast. Um I remember when UVA was <laughs> really hoping to get in on that one. Apparently uh no no traction. But you're right. I mean, there are no gimmies. I mean, I, I was it, thinking like Boston. Yeah, we got to go. We got to go to Louisville, not Louisville, Villanova in the middle, yeah, in the middle of January. And but I watched you know them play Notre Dame, and I'm like, man, Josh Hart's going to be a handful. Well, <laughs> so, but you know what though? You can put. But here's the thing: you can put Devin on him. Yeah. And yeah. at least, at least you know he's going to have to earn. Like if he scores, if he goes for 31 and 12 or whatever he got the other day, like he'll have earned the crap out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the thing about that game that I think is going to be fascinating is how Tony handles it because it really doesn't matter, and he'll be in the thick of ACC play. Um, I would love to see them keep that. I know there are a lot of people who hate it. I would love to see them keep a random kind of high-profile out-of-conference game that they played somewhere in the middle of nowhere that would just be like, uh, oh, and by the way, we're, we're, we're taking a break from ACC play to go, go, you know, go play UCLA. Um, I just think that it's an, it's an interesting test, and it does kind of get you ready for March because the thing about ACC play is a lot of these guys you know, the systems you're, you're familiar with, you, know, you can kind of get into that lull. And then you're asked to in March all of a sudden change everything up and, and you know you got you got too many you know too many uh, scouts in a, in, a, in a row and you got to get to the next weekend and get to the next weekend uh, that I think prepares you in a different type of way um, but yeah uh, look at BC and, and Georgia Tech I expected you know what those are easy wins nah man like maybe not yeah. um, the thing about the ACC is maybe the high upper end I mean maybe when Duke gets all its power back there it's different. But the upper end of the ACC might not necessarily be quite as like ferocious, but the depth of the league—I mean, it's going to be, uh, man, it's going to be tough to get through that schedule. You mentioned Tech. I, I was on radio today in Richmond and mentioned like that's going to be one of those games that just from a matchup standpoint, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, you're right. I think uh, you know that might be a game where you can lean on Kyle Guy more. You don't have to. Maybe you can go for guard a little bit, a little bit more than than you could in, in on other nights. Um, but there's so much talent in this conference, and certainly Virginia has the the um, you know the, they 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 do have the experience. I mean, that's the thing that I know they were somewhat curious to, to watch kind of unfold because they have guys who have played, but they haven't had guys who have played in meaning like big moments, except for outside of London, right? Marielle, Devin, uh, Darius, they've played, but they have not been asked to make a huge shot in a game. They have not been asked to to go to the line with the game on the line and make free throws. Um, certainly none of the bigs have, um, certainly obviously the freshmen haven't. Um, so it, in, in a way it's like they have experience in experience or, yep. or, or maybe it's reverse inexperience, experience. And some of that is going to have to shake itself out. You just got to throw the kids out there and, and see if they can sink or swim. Um, my thing for them going forward is twofold. One, I want to see that aggression. I want to see them go into the basket harder. I want to see them attacking more. I want to see them get to the free throw line more because any opportunity that they have to pick up easy offense is 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 the is it. I mean that's the that's the deal to me. Getting to the rim, going to the line, getting stuff in transition, finishing around the rim, getting bunnies uh, on putbacks. Like that's what the bigs like they're going to have to make up for a lack of post scoring mm-hmm. by scoring in the post. And what I mean by that is they don't have a dude that you're going to throw the ball into you know, five or six times and a half. What they do have are guards that can get into the lane. They have good shooters that can space you out, and they have guys who can offensive rebound and 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 clean up the glass. They still have to be able to score in the post, and you don't have to necessarily get that by having a big dude. You got to figure out a way to get it. The second thing I want to see from them is a a I don't want to say a, a firm rotation, but a 
a consistent rotation where guys are on the floor with guys that they're used to playing with. I think one one drawback to having a whole lot of a lot of dudes that you can play is that they don't spend as much time playing together as a group. And that's the thing that the that this defense has to have as it has to move as a phalanx. Like they have to be as one. You can't get that if you're not playing consistent minutes. It's your Evan Nolte theory. People would go crazy when Nolte would be on the floor the last two years, but it goes to what you're saying. There were times that Nolte had to be on the floor to direct that defense, and then that's why he was on the floor. If he hit a shot, that would have been great, but I would get frustrated at times, but I started to get the sense Tony Layton Games is going to play. This is why Devin Hall, for all his offensive miscues sometimes, was on the floor late taking that shot against Syracuse because Tony trusts his defense. So you're right. He has to find those guys that he trusts the last six minutes of a game for defensive purposes, especially. So what are what are give me give me your your best? Um, I don't want to say uh, uh, prediction, but give me your best guess on how you feel like this season goes. Given, I mean, it sounds like to me you're a little bit further down on this group, or at least in terms of its potential, than than you were at the start of the season. Given what you've seen from the team, where do you kind of feel like they head from here? How do you feel about them going forward? And what are your kind of expectations now in terms of where they kind of finish up and, and, and that kind of thing? I think they can still get to the Sweet 16. I mean, I think that defense carries, and a lot of nights where our offense isn't going quite as well, we'll do enough depending on the matchup. Um, the one thing that I – I have liked in certain games is Tony playing London off the ball, whether it's Darius bringing it up or Ty bringing it up or Kyle. I think that's actually our best bet to get offense. I mean, against Ohio state, I mean, I had kids here blowing up my phone at halftime. I'm like, I'm not concerned. You know, we're shooting 20% from the field. They're shooting 60 defense carries. And back to your point about aggression, what happened in that Ohio state game, the first three minutes of the second half, they went to the bucket, the basket, right to the basket, took it to the basket. And we cut the lead from 12 to 4, taking the ball to the hoop. And I think as the season goes along, that's where we're going to get those baskets. And I right. think you put this today. Dan Bonner, I watched the ECU game again today. Dan Bonner said best. London has to get to the foul line more. I think sometimes he gets too cute with jump shots where he settles for that, which oh, is man. fine. Oh, man. The, the, the weird feet, it drives me nuts, yeah. man. Uh-huh. Oh, the weird feet, it drives me nuts. I, he takes these shots, and I'm like, where are your, what do you do? What? Because you watch him. Like, I'll come out watching pregame because I have, like, a routine. Like, I'll, I come at a certain time, you know, two hours before game time. I make sure I'm there. And so, like, I watch him uh, during shoot-around. And so when they come out f- for warm-ups and stuff, his, his, his mechanics on his shots and warm-ups are perfect. Like, every shot looks the same. Maybe not, not quite like Joe Harris looks the same, but, like, looks the same and then he gets in the game and like his he's off balance he's got this one foot way too far in front of the other and it's you can just tell in his in his in his like art and in the in his release he is just all over the place but then he'll hit one and he'll be straight and then from it's like from that point i was like oh that's where i'm supposed to be it's the weirdest thing but anyway sorry i cut you off go ahead no no no, you're fine you're fine um well and like going back to ohio state game i thought that was probably the worst I mean, and he's played a lot of games. I thought that was probably the worst half of basketball he's played in a UVA uniform. And like the guy said, it seems like he's been at Virginia for nine years. But, I mean, he did not – his passes were off. His shot – he went – I was like, man, this, he look, He looks like he's – when he was a freshman, he looked like a senior. That night he looked like a freshman. Yeah, you're right. Like, he's got he's to get it going. But I think – there are some guys on this team. If Mamadi can continue to improve, Salt can continue to improve. They find a way to play Guy and Jerome. 
they may exceed expectations. I mean, getting to the 32 or 16 is good. I, I mean, it's still fine. It's just the fact that we were so close to the Final Four last year. We had a transfer we were counting on. But I also, like you said, we're remodeling. I mean, just look at what we're going to have next season. I mean, yeah, we're going to lose London. But, I mean, I think someone put this on the board. Next year's team might be even better than the yeah, one we have no, now. And because guys are playing early, this is going to help next year's team a lot more. Um, as far as ACC, I mean, who knows? I mean, Carolina looks spotty at times. Duke's going to be scary when they get everybody back. But, I mean, <laughs> that's just – that's life. But you're right. You might see a, a night where a Wake Forest knocks somebody off or Clemson knocks someone off or Virginia Tech knocks someone off. I mean, so you just got to grind it out. But I think the one consistent we have is a program. Those other teams don't play defense the way we play defense. And I think at home especially – that's going to carry us, you know, to a 10-11 win conference schedule. I think the thing about the – it's funny because in in football, right, if you win your league you're, and you're, you're, you're going to win your conference championship game, you're, you're, you're going to get into the playoff, right? And you're one of, let's say, seven teams realistically that might have a shot at that, right? Basketball is so weird because you can get to the 16 and be one of the best teams in the country and – and and not have a shot because of matchups. You feel me? Yep. Like it's basketball is such a weird thing. Like if you say a team's going to get to the final, we like oh they, they you know I expect them to get to the final four. No, come on, man. Like that ain't that ain't worth nothing because well, I, if I, you I, don't I, know matchups and you don't you know what I'm saying. If you don't know where where things are, like where where are they playing? Who are they playing? Who else yep. are they playing? Like what's on their side of the bracket? Like it's such a crapshoot. Basically, I I look at it like this: if you can get to the Sweet Sixteen, that means you're that means you're getting to the second weekend. And if you get to the second weekend, you're going to be one of the best teams in the country. And if you have those expectations, that means that you're you're that means that you're you're set up well in terms of your seed. It means you're set up well in terms of your location. Um, so that generally means that you're one of the better teams. I look at it and I think you're right. I, I do think that next year's team. I don't want to say can be. I think I, I think they will be better than this one because. I mean, as good as this class was, offense. Excuse me, this freshman class was. Imagine what you're getting next year, which is you're essentially getting two four-star top 100 kids with an added year of Mike Curtis, yep. um, which in and of itself is is ridiculous. And you're also getting a physical, another physical wing defender who you're going to be able to throw out there on anybody, um, and, and he's going to be able to, to, you know, to to really make an impact. I look at that team and I think, yeah, it, it it's unfortunate that London won't be won't be a part of it. But there's so much to like about that team and, and all of the things that surround it. Um, you still are you're still going to have some question about the back to the basket piece. And I agree, if Diakite, if Diakite gets more minutes and he's able to kind of settle in a little bit, I think there are times where he where his lack of basketball um, background, you know, it, it shows a little bit. Like he he tries to do a little too much. Um, but that's not a bad thing. It's just he's got to get a sense of uh, – he's got to get a better feel for it, and that's something that can only come with, with time. Um, you know, he was able to, to get what he needed, out. I think, out of the redshirt year. Um, now he's he, what he's being asked to do this year, um, he can do. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where he goes as a three-point shooter um, because he does have a pretty stroke. It's funny. He's really good at, around the rim, good at, from the three-point line, and – Kind of bobo everywhere. In the middle. Yeah, from everywhere. <laughs> you know, uh, if there's you a question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. What uh, and and another guy on the board. What what is your impressions on Wilkins right now? Because he seems to be the guy. I mean, other than Hall, 
where when we're not playing well, the board, that's the name that's going on. Wilkins, <laughs> Wilkins, Wilkins. Well, and I just feel like he, in my opinion, it's like we don't know where to play him. He's not a five, yeah. but he doesn't really want to play the four. Right. And so it's kind of like there's certain times where it's like. I'll, I'll put it to you he, like this. He mm. is, he is, he's a good passer who is mm-hmm. not a very good ball handler. Yes. And so any time he's asked to go forward with the ball, it's tough. And he, he also has a has a naturally kind of jittery disposition. And so he catches and his elbows are moving, and he constantly looks like he's out of sorts, right? They had that one turnover that was pretty bad in, in the uh, West Virginia game where he's, he's basically he's bringing up floor. He just didn't turn his head. On, he just didn't swivel it. He turned yep. one way and didn't look the other, and he pulled up. And, and I think there are going to be those plays – where you see that difference. AG was one of those guys where he could he could catch and he could lean and he could go. Yep. Whereas Wilkins, he has a problem catching, leaning, and then still being able you know what I'm saying? Like his yes. his forward momentum is tough. Now, his hustle is ridiculous. And when he's locked in, of when course, he's locked in, yeah, that, Ohio State, he was yeah, not he wasn't. But well, he had a couple plays, and it was like it just disappeared. It was like yep. he, it's like he kind of had like a a mo- I don't know. Sometimes I I wonder. Like I need to when I do the rewatch, I need to track fouls sometimes too because like I've definitely seen games where I, they'll get a quick whistle and things and they just they they don't play as tight. They're not as they're not going as hard. Uh-huh. But but when he's locked in and he's hustling and like his energy is 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 it's it's probably as close to to Justin as we've seen since Justin left. Um, maybe like he had that one dive into the stands. Yep. And you were just like, oh okay. Um. I think his biggest issue right now, it, it, to, directly to your point, he is not um, a four in the sense that AG was, where he could he could do some stuff going to the basket, and he's not a five because he's not big enough. But he has elements of both, and so in a game where like you're playing a two three zone, I do trust him at the top of the key to yep. catch and turn and make a pass. What I don't what I don't trust is him trying to dribble um, right now, and. If he continues to sharpen that three point shot and he can he can get that look and he can knock that down, that is a game changer and for a variety of reasons. So I feel like he is somebody who definitely the board likes to uh, to nitpick at times justified and at times not. But he's definitely going to be a key cog. His development, especially that three point shot, to me is a huge is a huge deal. Um, he's never going to be able to cover the space. I think that that Darion or Akil could cover, and certainly. I mean, look when Mamani when Mamani gets in a stance. I mean, he's like a he's like three dudes. I mean, he's yep. so wide, <laughs> and and like and not to mention his leaping ability. When he gets his timing down, it's going to be absurd. But Wilkins is a is a very important piece, and certainly I think a kid that Virginia has to get a uh, a lot of production out of um, as as they go forward. Because like I said, he's one of the, he's one of that group of players that like I really honestly feel like. It's gonna it they they rise and fall based on those returning kids and he's yes. you know he's got he's got some chops he's also a little bit inconsistent and I, I think it's good that Tony's giving him the minutes that he has um, I, I think that's a good show I mean now that he's only got four guys in the post I think it, it'll even out um, I do want to see more assault but I don't want to do that at the detriment of Virginia's athleticism and that's certainly a, I think a big piece of it you know with Wilkins hustling and, and diving all over the place. Um. Anything else before we uh before we wrap up, man? What else? What else you got on your plate? Anything? Any other thoughts you want to share with the group? No, I mean it's just it, it's it's kind of weird between like you said between that football time everything was good and then it's like Ohio it's just 
because I haven't been on the board much because basketball, but it's just like the last two weeks, it just feels like a pin dropped on the board. It's like everybody's frustrated for some reason. I'm like, guys, you still only have one loss. Well, that's the thing. Is it like, well, I, I, you know, it was funny because in the preseason, everybody talked about, think about it, everybody to a, to a, to a dude, right? Every post was like, you know, I know we're going to take some early bumps. And then they took an early bump, you're like, and yep. people are just frustrated. And look, I get it. You know, you expected – Look, you went into the Duke uh, – after that Duke game, they went – Virginia's football team went into the bye week, and you thought they turned a corner, and you got excited, and then you got your heart stomped on, you got your stomach kicked. I get it, okay? I had to go to those games. I promise. I, I watched every play. It was not fun. And then you, your your basketball team that you were really excited about seemed on the poise of, you know, top, popping into the top – what, top five and even better at that point if they beat – if they win that Ohio State game – excuse me, West Virginia game. Um, they might have been what number three, or something yeah. like that, and you're excited, and I get it. Um, but the the good thing about basketball is it's not football. Like you don't have to, you know, only have two or three losses. I think ultimately though, that's the that's the thing is that de- a lot of folks who are Virginia fans are just not accustomed at this point after the last few years of Virginia losing basketball games. Yeah. Like it's everyone yeah. still feels like wait, wait what? Like they yeah. really lost? Like for real? And, I mean, that's just – I mean, like, before that West Virginia game, the last time they lost at home was the Duke game two years ago. Yeah. I mean, and the last time they had lost a non-conference game was to Tennessee, right? Like, yeah, that's a we long time. Year, we, lose, we lost two or three in a row, and we should have lost to Wake Forest. So, I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, true. last <laughs> team went on a drought. And I, actually, somebody – Somebody posted that, and I was like, "Man, you know what? We I forgot. I even forgot about the Wake Forest game. I'm like, you know what? Last year we did lose. We lost to Virginia Tech. They had that one game, and then everything uh-huh. clicked right back everything into place. Flip from there, and I think this team will be the same. Um, but you're right. I mean, how many guys do you think come turn not tournament time, but ACC play? Do you think? Because I mean, he'll shorten his rotation like yeah, he always. I mean, I think it'll be five, eight. I think it'll be nine. I, and he'll and I think he'll he'll go with three bigs primarily until he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. My guess is is he'll go. The uh, Diakite's minutes will depend on matchups more so than anything else, and then he and Reuter will kind of flip flop at times. Um, and then I could see Ty really only getting burned when he needs an extra ball handler, given foul situation or or what have you. Um, because you're right, you, you know he he can give that to Darius, he can give that to Devin, he can give it to Kyle, and realistically, who initiates the offense isn't quite as important for, mm-hmm. for Virginia because they always have three guards out there. Yep. Um, I do think that you're probably, I think that that, you know him him admitting in the in the West Virginia post game that he probably sh- maybe he should have played Kyle more, um, you know that that was one of the options, and then to see what he what he gave him um, against ECU, I, I I'm just curious to see Kyle's minutes. I think we'll we'll learn a lot over these next couple games um, that we can probably take forward and, and, and then hold as maybe a frame of reference. Um, mm. But it, I, look, if, if guys averaging 22 minutes a game, that's a great sign because that means he's staying on, he's able to stay on the floor and he's producing. And cause Tony's not going to ride you if you're not producing, like he's just not. Um, and, and you're right against West Virginia. He was physically in a place where he couldn't, he couldn't hold his position to get the ball in. He couldn't defend as well as he needed to, and even though he was giving them offense, he was hurting them more than he was giving them. That's yes. going to be the line uh, that that Tony has to ride with him all season long. And I think, look, Kyle's defensive chops so much better than I expected. Yeah, like I remember being in Greensboro and going, "Oh, okay." Like I did not did not think he was going to be there. He's just not where he needs to be in order to stay on the floor for this team this season. Um, 
next year, I don't think you'll have any problems with him. I, I think you're, you you can you can pencil him in in anywhere. But the problem is going to be like they're still going to have just about everybody else. Um, yeah. And so they got to find somebody, to, you know, obviously take over the point. But it, it'll be a. I'm not. I'm not looking. I, if I was Tony, that would be the one I'd be worried about. Not this one. It's that one having to to figure out minutes, especially when you're adding Jay and Dre to the to the fold. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a good lot point, of dudes. This year, it's kind of Salt's going to get in foul trouble, so he's only going to give you about fourteen. 15 <laughs> Once the referees minutes. remember he's there. <laughs> yeah, 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 especially in ACC play, depending if you go on the road. Uh, like I said, DKT, Mamadi is going to depend on matchup. Reuter is going to depend on matchup. So you know, this year you pretty much know Isaiah, unless he's in foul trouble, is going to get. Those minutes, minutes, right? Yeah. Jayok, Darius, and Hall—they all can split minutes at different positions. We can go four guards. So yeah, you're right. Next year is going to be—I didn't even think about that. Next year is going to be the who do you play, when do you so play? And that's a good thing about Anthony. Anthony can come in next year and be the defensive guy that he is, and not have to worry about offense next year. He can just be a defensive guy, and that's it. Yeah, so he, you don't need him for offense. Exactly. Exactly. Well, look, man, I really appreciate you uh, giving me some time. I know you're busy. Good luck uh, in the game tomorrow night, which about this point that this post will have already ended. So congrats. I don't know. We're um, undefeated right now, and I didn't think we'd be there. So that's a good I, thing. Yeah, humble brag. Listen to you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, appreciate you coming on the show as always. Um, and appreciate everybody out there for, for giving us a listen as well. We will be back next week on our, our more regular, uh, regularly scheduled programming that you guys have uh, become accustomed to over the last minutes, uh, excuse me, months and, and years. So from a boy, Hester, Grafton19 on the board, this is Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.